Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 40. Update. Week's been good. It's not as busy. Things are settling down at work, which is good. It has been a little bit of a weird week though. Um, Weird good, you know, but not just strange things keep happening. Like um, signs of... uh, affirmation or like um, synchronicity, things that some people might call coincidences, but I don't believe in coincidences. Like, um, you know, like when you think of someone and then the phone rings and they're the ones calling you, like that kind of thing. I keep catching 1111 and 333. Whether it's on the clock, in an address, a phone number, you know, just whatever. I keep seeing those two numbers and I know that, you know, well, (laughs) I believe that numbers are significant or signs of something. But there's two messages that through the week kept coming through, whether I was seeing them, hearing them, whatever. The first message was, just keep going. I kept getting that message, whether it was somebody, a conversation I was having at work, seeing a meme on Instagram, you know, hearing it on a podcast. I kept getting that message, just keep going. The other is, your past brought you to your present. This one this one was a little bit weird because I was having a conversation with someone and we were kind of talking not so much about past regrets, but, you know, like uh, things that maybe we would do differently now that we're a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser. And we were having this discussion and both of us came to the conclusion almost at the exact same time that we wouldn't change anything, that no matter what we had gone through, you know, painful or hard or whatever, it made us who we are today. So every past decision brought me to today. So what is the point on dwelling on something you can't fix, right? You could only move forward from when you know better, right? Learn from it. So I don't know what any of this means, but lately I've been kind of thinking about my life right now is good. It's peaceful, right? Every day is kind of the same. And that should be comforting. But for me, I grew up in a very chaotic environment. You never knew what one day was going to be from the next, right? Could be, or even sometimes one hour from the next. Everything could be fine and in an instant things would change. So I sort of grew up with this feeling of the ground always moving beneath me. And then I became an adult and sort of continued that feeling in my adult relationships of just, you know, I couldn't quite settle down, you know, you never can quite exhale because it just 
you don't know what the next moment's going to bring. So I'm always kind of on edge, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I realized the other day, (laughs) maybe there is no other shoe. Maybe this is it, you know, just this peaceful life where nothing changes from day to day. Or if something changes, it's because of a change I made. You know, there, there's, there's not going to be um, someone's mood changing or whatever that's going to cause this chaos. I control my environment. And I have to kind of find a way to get comfortable in that because that's not a comfortable existence for me. So I think these two messages of just keep going and, you know, your your past brought you to your present kind of all led me to that mindfulness of just focus on today. Let go of yesterday, you know, plan for tomorrow, but don't become so focused on tomorrow that you don't realize that today is pretty good. Right? I mean, I I think, (laughs) I think that's what they mean. But I'm just going to keep my head down and keep working towards my goals. And I'm not going to keep looking back because when you're moving forward and you keep looking behind you, that's when you fall, right? It all kind of feels like confirmation that even though I may not be able to see the road ahead of me, at least I'm moving in the right direction. And sometimes that's all the motivation you need. TV podcast recommendations. I have been catching up on my DVR. I'm finally all caught up with This Is Us. Is there a more perfect man than Randall Pearson? I don't think so. That's what I need. I need a Randall Pearson. I love him so much. And this week, we finally got the date of when the Friends reunion will be airing on HBO Max. It is May 27th. I can't wait. It is only on HBO Max. And this is the reason why I got HBO Max to begin with. If you guys remember or care at all, the reunion was actually supposed to happen, I believe, last fall. But because of, well, because of 2020, it was delayed. So it'll now be happening May 27th. And speaking of HBO Max, they have a new show out called Hacks, and I love it. I mean, I, of course I do. It stars Jean Smart. You guys know how much I love her, and it's about time America has rediscovered this national treasure. I am a huge fan. She is so good in everything she does. W- one of my favorite roles that she's ever done was a very small role in Disney's The Kid, think she may have been in for a total of 15 minutes through the entire movie, but she's the best part of that movie. That's how good she is. In Hacks, Jean Smart plays Ava Vance, a legendary comedian working in Las Vegas. She finds out that the hotel owner wants to cut back on her shows, and her agent sends her a young out-of-work writer to help freshen up her act. 
It's good. It's smart. It's funny. She is fantastic. There are two episodes out to get you started. Check it out. It is only on HBO Max. And I think I checked this once before. If you have HBO, you have HBO Max. You may not know that. You may have to like call your cable company, but it's it's basically the same. The cost is the same. So if you already have HBO, you might as well just convert over to HBO Max because there's programming on there that is exclusive to that channel only. The podcast I'm listening to this week is called Murder in Alliance. It's hosted by Maggie Freeling. This is the story of a 26-year-old Yvonne Lane, who was found murdered in her home uh, back in 1999 in Ohio. Her ex-boyfriend, David Thorne, was charged for the murder and sentenced to life without parole over 20 years ago. Of course, there wouldn't be a podcast if that was the end of the story. David actually had a solid alibi for the night that Yvonne was murdered. There was a confession, not by David, but by a man named Joe who claims that he was hired by David to kill Yvonne. And there's evidence of a botched investigation and possible police cover-up. Maggie Freeling investigates the murder and works with Jason Baldwin, who himself was wrongly accused as a member of the West Memphis Three. And they work together to see if David is innocent, as he has claimed all along. It is so good. Maggie is very good at what she does. Um, you may be familiar with her. She's an investigative reporter. She had she did the uh, Maura Murray Oxygen documentary. It, it was really good. She's very good. This show is part of the Obsessed Network, and y'all know how much I love my Patrick and Jillian. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week, I've been thinking a lot about mental health. I told you guys there was a period a couple of weeks ago where I just felt like an exposed nerve, very on edge, anxious, sad angry, emotional, just kind of all the feelings all at once. At the time, I thought it was related to busy days at work and the issues I was having with the podcast. But looking back, I think there was more to it. Isn't there always? I think it's related to the reopening of the country, the returning to normal post-COVID. I've always been kind of an introvert, you know, like, socially awkward. When I was younger, I would use alcohol to cover this up. The only way I could have fun and feel good about being out and around people was to include alcohol in the mix. Which is not to say I drank every time I was around people, but I just found it more tolerable when I was drinking. My father was the same way, only worse. He couldn't even fake having a good time unless he was drinking. I can at least fake it. So at the beginning of the shutdown, I was okay. In fact, I was kind of relieved. Not having to worry about being around people was nice. I basically only left my apartment to go to work and shop for food, and I loved it. No longer did I have to deal with traffic or crowds or invitations to go places and do things that I didn't want to do. Not that I was getting a lot of those, but now I wasn't getting any, and I was totally fine with it. I settled into this new life pretty easily because, in truth, I was already halfway there. The shutdown wasn't much of an adjustment for me. 
But now that things are reopening, I find myself feeling more anxious than I have in a while, but at the same time, happy to be getting back to some sense of normalcy. And it's already starting. I'm experiencing road aggravation because of increased traffic. And I get annoyed going places like malls and grocery stores because people are back. I thought it was just me getting crusty in my old age, but it turns out I'm not the only one experiencing reopening anxiety. In researching for this week's episode, I found several articles online talking about people having trouble transitioning back into society after the 14-month shutdown restrictions. When asked, the most common responses to how people are feeling is a combination of anxiety and hope, which is exactly what I'm feeling. Another study I found, this one done by the American Psychological Association, showed that 43% of people saw either no change in stress levels during the shutdown or lower levels of stress than they had pre-pandemic. For these people, and myself, quarantine was almost a protective bubble. It allowed for more predictable days, schedules, and routines. With the reopening, Therapists are gearing up for a big uptick in patience once we are all fast forced back out into society again. Prior to COVID, the daily grind was difficult for most people, but especially those who suffer from anxiety and OCD. And after having a period of over a year in which we could pretty much create our own daily schedules, shifting back into normal isn't going to be so easy. I already admitted that there were parts of quarantine that I liked. Recently, I saw a show on YouTube called The Positives of the Pandemic. It listed things that, if they became permanent changes, wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. It was a pretty good list. It said things like, no traffic. I have to say, being someone who was an essential worker who still had to go into work every day, this was one of my favorite parts of quarantine. I just sailed into work every day like a Sunday morning drive. It was lovely. Social distancing. I readily admit to being not a hugger. (laughs) In fact, one of my old bosses wanted to make me a sign and put it on the back of my chair as a warning. So I'm totally fine with keeping social distancing. This isn't to say I don't hug anyone. I'm just choosy about who I hug. And I'm completely okay with never shaking anyone's hand again. But staying six feet away from people, this should have been a thing all along. It's just good etiquette. No one likes a close talker. Increased hand washing. Again, why wasn't this already a thing? I grew up with the mom who got us in the habit of washing our hands as soon as we walked to the door. And I'll admit I had gotten lazy with it. But back in 2010, when the avian flu hit, I started doing it again. This is also when I started carrying hand sanitizer with me wherever I went. I didn't experience the great hand sanitizer shortage of 2020 because I was already well-stocked prior to the pandemic. My ex-boyfriend used to think I was nuts. He used to tease me about being a germaphobe. Everywhere we went, as soon as we got back to the car... I'd take out the hand sanitizer, and then I'd make him use it too, and he'd roll his eyes and reluctantly accept it. Eventually, he got to the point where he'd just hold out his hands and wait for me to dispense it. 
think of all that you touched during the day. And then think about how many other people touched those same things before you. Don't be gross. Wash your hands. And don't think that I'm not silently judging you when I hear you leave the bathroom after having run the water for all of three seconds. Another thing I'd like to keep? New movies being released in theaters and on streaming services on the same day. This is awesome. For the cost of one adult movie ticket, your entire family can view the movie from the comfort of your own home. Okay, so it's not the movie theater experience with the giant screen, chest-thumping sound, and delicious buttery popcorn, but you also don't have to deal with sticky floors or loud talkers behind you. I don't want you know, the movie theater experience to completely go away because it is a unique experience. And while incredibly overpriced, it's one that can't be replaced. But I like the option of being able to watch a movie from home at the same time that it's released in theaters and not have to wait months for it and risk spoilers. I told you guys I watched um, Godzilla versus Kong because it was streaming at the same time as it was released in theaters. I loved it, but honestly, I would not have paid to see that movie in a theater. I didn't have to. This option was great. This really needs to continue. This next one, I know this is going to be controversial, but just consider for a moment keeping masks. Now, I know what you're saying. We shouldn't be forced to wear a mask, and I agree with you. But what about normalizing wearing masks for the people who choose to continue wearing them. I'll admit in the past, I'd seen like, you know, videos and pictures of people in Asian countries and thought, it's so weird that they wear masks like that all the time. But over the past year, as someone who is socially awkward, masks have provided me an extra layer of insulation and protection. And if I also happen to be wearing sunglasses, I might as well be invisible which is exactly how I like to move about my day. I actually will say a silent prayer of dread every time I go anywhere of, please God, don't let me see anyone I know. So maybe we don't have to have a mass mandate, but if anyone should choose to still continue to wear them, we don't, you know, look at them and think that they're weird. Instead, can we say like, Use masks to signal when we're not feeling especially chatty. Kind of like those little jackets they put on dogs that say things like, I'm nervous, give me space, in training, no touch, no talk. In fact, can someone actually make me a mask that says that? This way, when I'm having a bad day and I'm just feeling, you know, a little antisocial, but still need to go out to the store to pick up a few things, I can just pop on my mask as a universal sign of, please don't speak to me. No touch, no talk. Another thing I'd like to keep, the whole concept of self-quarantining. Think of it as self-care. Get invited to a party you don't want to attend? Just say you can't make it because you're self-quarantining. Is there a better excuse? No one will question it. In fact, they'll encourage you to stay away. And it works better than saying you had a death in your family because your friends who really care about you, they'll offer to come over and comfort you. Actually, you shouldn't use that excuse uh, because karma. But we should keep self-quarantining. 
working from home. As of the last month, most restaurants around the country are open, some with limited capacity, but still open for business, while only about 40% of office workers have returned to the office full-time. Preliminary statistics show that productivity was actually up during the pandemic with people working from home. And it also lowers the cost of running a business if you don't have to pay building costs. Another thing I definitely like to keep, telemedicine. I love this one. When I needed anti-anxiety medication at the beginning of the shutdown, I'm sure having to go into a germ-infested doctor's office to get a prescription would not have been a great experience for me. Instead, I was able to sit in my apartment where I was comfortable and have a private discussion with my doctor about what I was feeling without having to freeze my ass off in a paper gown waiting for the already overscheduled doctor to finish up with the previous patient. Why do they do this? If they're behind, why not just let you wait in the waiting room where you still have your clothes and your dignity? Doctors who were polled about three months into the shutdown stated that they believed telemedicine allowed their patients to be more honest with them because they were in a more relaxed state in their own home. It also allowed the doctor to do a little surveillance of the home environment, which in some cases said a lot more about what was going on with the patient than what they were actually telling the doctor. Now, this next one, this may be wishful thinking because money, but I'd like to keep the middle seats in airplanes empty. This, of course, goes back to my social distancing wants. Is there anything worse than getting stuck in the middle seat on an airplane? I don't care who you're sitting next to. It sucks. You have to fight for the armrest the whole time. You can't lean to either side. And somehow there is even less leg room. Keep the middle seat empty. And with all social gatherings canceled, we realize which holidays we no longer need to observe, or at least we don't need to observe them the same way we used to. Like, say, for instance, Halloween. I hate Halloween, so I may be a bit biased here, but I just don't see a need for kids to go door to door and collect candy that has been touched by God knows how many other filthy hands. Children's birthday parties. I've had several parents tell me they are totally in favor of the drive through birthday party and not having to pay for 10 kids to go to a bounce house or trampoline for two hours. The thought of that makes my skin crawl. And because the idea of eating cake that has been spit on, because let's face it, no child can blow on anything not spit, should have been outlawed years ago. Another thing that can go away forever? Parades. They serve no purpose. They shut down city streets and the crowds treat the area like it's their giant garbage can. Just observe St. Patrick's Day at your local bar, the way the Irish and God intended. One other thing we can keep post-pandemic? Less coughing and sneezing in public without at least attempting to cover your mouth. You couldn't do this during the pandemic without audible gasps from everyone around you. And you shouldn't have anyway because it's disgusting. But less coughing and sneezing in public also meant less spreading of illness of any kind because the stuff we were doing to try to stop the spread of COVID worked really well on things like the common cold and the flu. I have been sick zero times in the last year. 
I don't think this is a coincidence. And also, we learn that every, not every type of business is needed. Take gyms, for example. These don't ever have to reopen as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'll admit, I hate to exercise. I hate working out in any fashion. Hate it. But I have had gym memberships in the past. And one of the reasons I stopped going was because I felt like I could literally see the germs on the equipment. I didn't want to touch anything. And if you see somebody just like pouring out sweat on the treadmill, are you going to want to be next in line for that treadmill? But for those people who absolutely love to work out, they discovered that they could actually continue to exercise without having to go to a building specifically designed to exercise. I know. Who knew? People found other ways to get their exercise, whether it was working out in a park or just buying gym equipment to use at home. Of course, there are some genuinely good things that came about during the pandemic that I hope will stay, like Zoom calls with my family, reaching out more to friends and distant family just to check in on each other, learning how to be with myself and my thoughts without constant distraction, which is what led me to the realization that I needed some help with my anxiety. Prior to that, I just kept filling my time and ignoring it. That probably wouldn't have happened without the world coming to a standstill. Starting the podcast. Someday I'll tell you the story of the day I decided to do that. In typical fashion for me, it came about in a ridiculous way. I don't know, maybe, maybe that'll be the uh, one-year episode. We'll see. So in the end, it wasn't all bad. But I will say this. I can't wait to hug the people I love again. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 40. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, and then tell them to listen. That second part is important. If you have questions or topic suggestions, email me at mysocalledmidlifepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.